feel like I also usually don't trust people if they don't like olives. Cooking is essentially just another way for me to be submissive. I've lived in my apartment for five or six years and I've never turned the stove on. Tell me what you had for lunch and I'll tell you what it means. Welcome to Lunch Therapy. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Lunch Therapy. I'm your host, unlicensed lunch therapist, Adam Roberts. My patient today is an old friend of mine, Ben Rimmelauer, who I first encountered in New York when he performed his one-man show, Patty Issues, about the ways that Broadway icon Patty Lapone, who also happens to be my favorite, helped him through a tricky childhood. That show became a New York Times critic's pick, and he went on, Ben, to do another one-man show called Bad With Money, which was the Advocate's number one solo show of 2014. He's since gone on to write for Vulture, Playbill, Out, and Time Out New York. He's directed numerous things, and you may also recognize him from his time on The Real Housewives of New York as the director of Countess Luann's Cabaret. So before we get to Ben, I just want to remind you, if you are not a paid subscriber to my podcast, you are missing out on awesome content. Last week, we had 10 bagel questions with Kathy Barrow, and she talked about how much cream cheese you should put on a bagel. And this week, tomorrow, I'm going to air my bonus interview with Ben, uh, where I ask him 10 musical theater questions related to food. So you're going to want to hear that. If you want to become a paid subscriber, just go to amateurgourmet.substack.com. That's amateurgourmet.substack.com. And also sign up for my newsletter. You're going to hear all about my meal plan that I started doing this week. And in Monday's newsletter, I wrote about a vin de orange, which was a orange wine. It's basically like this infused drink that you make. It takes six weeks, and then we're going to drink it in six weeks. So anyway... Sign up for that. All right. Well, here's my interview with Ben Rimmelauer. Uh, All right, Ben. Welcome to Lunch Therapy. How's your day going so far? It's going great. Got my Sprite <laughs> Zero. I'm chilling. That's great. Well, I mean, Ben, you and I started our podcasting careers, I think, exactly at the same time, because I think your first podcast that you did, I feel like you were launching it right when I launched Lunch Therapy. Maybe I'm wrong, but I was I was there. I think you're right. You've just gone so much farther that in my mind it's like you were at it longer, but maybe no, not. not that far. I mean, I'm basically where I was at the beginning with a couple of more listeners. But I was I mean, I am still a huge fan, but at the beginning of your podcast, I was listening to it like every day. I mean, it was one of my first favorite podcasts. Oh and, my god. And I loved it. I didn't it. know that. No, I loved it because I thought my whole life that I was like a musical theater geek. But you take it to a level where it's like, I almost feel like it's like a religion where like, maybe I'm like a reformed Jew and like, you're like the orthodox rabbi, like <laughs> who's like on the, <laughs> reading the Torah. I mean, you know, things about musicals that I've never even conceived of knowing. You should hear what I know about the Torah. I'll really not. <laughs> but um, no, I love it. And I love, I love how like deep you guys go and, and your subject. So wait, wait, tell us about the one you're doing now. What's the newest podcast? Well, this is actually not a podcast yet. We're going to, I think it's going to become something uh, like that. But right now it's just a live show. It's every week at Club Coming and um, it's called Cast Offs. Uh, it's Mondays at eight and it's like, uh, um, it's an offshoot of our podcast and all the sort of um, games that we play on the podcast, um, which are all based around casting. Like Our most trademark game that if you thought it was fun on the pod, you should see when we play it. <laughs> live with the audience is Dolly Concert Kill. Oh, yeah. um, and we go that, around yeah. the house with a box of names on little slips of paper and people pick three and they choose who they want to see as Dolly Levi on in a Broadway revival of Hello Dolly, who they want to see in a peak career concert 
And, you know, who gets the axe? <laughs> what, it, what is like, without being given the pieces of paper, if you could pull from anyone in the universe, what are what's your answer to those three questions? Well, but that's, but it's like Mary fuck kill. You know, it's not about. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Universe. But like, who is your dream okay, dolly? Okay. Like, who is well, your Patty dream? Lepone, Patty LuPone. Patty is your dream dolly. Yeah. Okay. What was the other ones? The dream concert? Um, so concert, I mean, Judy at Carnegie Hall. Yeah. Oh, you would have been there for that. Yeah, that's great. And kill um stephanie j block no i'm just kidding. i love stephanie j block she's fabulous oh my god she's that's so, in the so show. funny um, no i love stephanie block i just i just like throw shade at certain ladies up. and it's not she's a good she's a good girl see that's an example um, of like i totally love that joke but i feel like 95 percent of my listeners are like what is he talking about um okay so i mean i was trying to hit something that was a general theme you know <laughs> yeah. i could have said farrah alvin well, so Stephanie J. Block was new to me because like her name became big in the past couple of years. I know she was in falsettos, but then she had like concerts like on like PBS. I watched them and it's like it is it is like a thing. Like it's like she's got like like a pop music kind of thing going on. That's its own thing. Is it pop music? Well, whatever she's doing, like, like a singing career that's not Broadway. Right. But now they all do, you yeah. know, like in my day. I mean, I remember when Patti LuPone released her first album in 1993 patty lapone live oh yeah I love she that was album. 44 years old um you know she already had done a vita and anything goes and les mis and was in you know about to do sunset Boulevard. she'd already done life goes on for four years i mean um there's just a little bit of patty's bio for yeah listeners. very good but 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 you know what i mean now they release an album they're still at amda they're releasing an album and everybody's i mean i love it should be that way it's a crime same with i mean bernadette was a little more famous you know uh, especially back in the 80s well her first albums were like in like where she sang like you know um gee whiz and like other lady and stuff like in like she, she had a hit on the charts with gee whiz i mean it was like number seven i don't even know these songs see i told you that like, you're the orthodox rabbi i don't know any of this stuff <laughs> well back in the Bernadette <laughs> album, it yeah. was released on cd <laughs> but um she, uh, but even that, I mean, she, Bernadette did those in like 79 and 81 and then didn't record again until, uh, 95 or something, you know? So you're saying um, that people are just doing it too prematurely. Like they're coming out of the game. Well, I'm not necessarily saying that. I just comparatively, I mean, it is premature. Like some of these AMDA kids need to wait till graduation <laughs> day, but like, but it is, no, but it's terrible. I mean, why did none of these people have any recording careers? I mean, I know why it's because the way that record industry changed right. and you know all that but um you know if you look at like the generation before the Liza Minnelli's and the Barbara Streisand's I mean you know they had Columbia contracts mm -hmm. when they got their first Broadway show they were more crossover though right I mean they just had an appeal that transcended Broadway didn't it are you implying that Ms. Lupone <laughs> does not have the same crossover? Okay. Appeal? Well, first of all, I've got to say that I, I, the only area where I feel like I can go neck and neck with you is Patti Lapone because I adore her. She is my diva across all mediums. I know that for those who are listening who don't know, Ben did a one-man show or does a one-man show called Patty Issues about his lifelong obsession with Patti Lapone. But I had my own journey with Patti Lapone, which is I went to law school accidentally and I was miserable. And I spent a summer working in LA for Tom Girardi, husband of Erica Girardi from the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, who turned out to be a criminal. And I went to Amoeba Records and I bought Patti Lapone live on CD. And I listened to that and it was like my like drug of choice. I was obsessed with it. And she's one of those like, diva figures for a gay man that like it's like you know like that classic thing of like all you know gay men love their divas like she's like in my blood like I am so connected to her in a way that I know that you are too and I don't know what it what is it about Patti Lapone? well 
you know, it, it's hard to say. I mean, for me specifically, I feel like with Patty, the it's because she's so, I mean, now everybody's fierce. Fierce just means fabulous or whatever. But Patty's ferocious. I mean, Patty mm-hmm. is the reason that her biggest successes have been in these literally killer characters. Mrs. Lovett and Ava Perona. I mean, and Mama Rose even, you know. And it's like, she, Patty will cut a bitch with her teeth. And um mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I had a, uh, I mean, it's what I talk about in my show, Patty issues, like I had a kind of a fucked up childhood. And um, I think that I needed for me to get my escape from musical theater. It wasn't, I mean, I loved Anne Ranking, just all legs dancing in Annie. That was fabulous, but that wasn't my escape. Mm -hmm. You know, that couldn't distract Mm -hmm. me from the drama that was, you know, in my house. Um, But Patty Lapone, uh, was commanding enough that, you know, you drop what you're doing. And then not to say that on ranking was the wonderful, like on ranking wasn't commanding, but you know, Patty's threatening. I mean, you have to pay attention to mm-hmm. Patty. It's flight or fight or flight. And then also I think um, in a way it was a little bit like pet, she was my pet dragon. Like, you know, I, eh, now I'm doing into what is it? Game of Thrones. But you know, it's like, I, but she was my, <laughs> she was my monster. So, you know, that was empowering right. or something. Yeah, she's- there's a certain, well, I think she's such a weirdo also. Yeah. Like, you know, there's something about her. Like I was watching like on YouTube. I mean, again, like I'm a Patty freak too. And I was watching like her interviews with Andy Cohn the on best, YouTube. Yeah. And it was like, he asked, somebody asked, oh, it was um, Alyssa Edwards asked her about like being Mama Rose or like something about that or, or like Bernadette Peter, whether she wanted to see Bernadette Peters as Dolly. And she's like, no, because I'm still angry about Sam Mendes casting her as, as yeah. Mama Rose in that production yeah. of Gypsy. Da, da, da. And then she went on this whole thing and it's like, only you and I would like really care, but like she's talking and talking as if this is like the central narrative of like the, the American experience. And it's like Andy Cohen looks bored out of his mind. He's like, let's move on. And it's like, there's something about her. I don't, I'm so traumatized by this reading of the interview that I also saw. <laughs> Did that <have> this <laughs> oh, you didn't have this thing. Well, I just took it like that. She's, she takes, she's so like in her yeah, own yeah, world. Yeah. Like she, it's, I mean, I listened to her memoir on audio. Yeah. It looked like her. It's whole better when you watch thing. Randy Rainbow right. lip sync to it, frankly. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay. Well, we are we are straying away from the thing that if there's anyone still listening to <laughs> us, the the subject they're here to listen about, which is food. Um, which you know, Ben, I literally have no idea what your relationship is to food. Oh, it's um, big. <laughs> <laughs> but we're about to find out. So let's let's just open the floodgates and I'll ask you, what did you have for lunch today? Well, um I I'm in a, I'm kind of like in a weird place with lunch, like when I'm home, you know? Okay. Like because I've started like eating breakfast. Like I have like all this fresh fruit and like nuts every morning when I wake up. Mm-hmm. And then like I'm a big dinner person, but I actually was hungry after that. I made this sandwich. Um I get these like I got for the first time, but they were so good. I think I will be getting more of them. These like pretzel rolls from um, Whole Foods. And it's okay. like like pretzel bread, but like, you know, like a roll shape. And uh, I mean, it's more I got the ones that were more hot dog shaped because I thought that would be easier because, you know, you get the like fresh sliced like deli meat turkey and it's like too big mm-hmm. for like bread or even a bun. But this is long and I figured I would fold it uh-huh. in half. And it's oh, beautiful. Okay. And I just piled it on and it's pulled nicely uh-huh. in half. And um, my new discovery, because I'm like my lifelong nemesis is mayonnaise. Um, uh-huh. I just fucking uh-huh. hate mayonnaise. 
And a lot of people do. Yeah, I used to. Now I like it more. But keep the going. thing that I hate that I would like to evolve past that I think is hurting me in life is blue cheese. Um, but I oh, genuinely yeah. dislike the taste of blue cheese. Mayonnaise, it's more like a like a racial prejudice against it. Like I think when I was little, <laughs> I didn't like the way it looked, the consistency, like yeah. White condiments matter. Yeah. I'm not, I, it's, <laughs> and I, I just can't take it. Like, you could lie to me and be like, yeah. no, 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 that's butter, not mayo. And I'd be like, oh, it's delicious. And then, you know. Well, I mean, my thing was like with mayonnaise is in like macaroni salad. Mayonnaise is in coleslaw. Like, so like it was like that discovery that like all these things that I did like were mayonnaise like help me I through it and also like salad dressing is basically mayonnaise and aioli is basically mayonnaise well I mean, I, first of all i don't fall for that aioli like scam i know okay. that <laughs> yeah. um but uh i mean salad dressing is sometimes mayo sometimes not mayo. but like the idea of like an emulsified thing where it's like an egg yolk i mean like, caesar dressing is basically a mayonnaise like it's like egg yolk oh you're oil. ruining my life um <laughs> i don't want to know that about caesar but but I, but I, what I was going to say was because it's hard to have sandwiches without mayo. So which okay. is why I'm not that big of a sandwich person. Um, I mean, for me, like the revolution of like Subway sandwiches was the idea that you could put Italian dressing on a sandwich, mm-hmm. which has no mayo. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm a big mustard person, but like yeah. sometimes mustard is like, when you want like a fatty, you want a fat content in the sandwich, like uh-huh. mustard isn't giving you what you need, you know? Wait, so wait, what did you put in your sandwich today? I'm still so, I'm so lost. <laughs> well, I make the most, I had a dinner party last night okay. um, and I made my um, world famous salad and I, I made homemade vinaigrette, which was um, white wine vinegar, olive oil, salt, pepper, and um, Dijon mustard. Okay. And um, I, uh, but I had leftover in the salad shaker and I put it in the fridge. I don't know why I do this charade, I put it in the fridge. It's de- if I'm lucky, it doesn't spill. And like a week later, I'm like, what is this disgusting old salad dressing? I throw it out. But I don't know what Got I'm it. supposed to do. But anyway, I had I was like, oh, I'll put that on the roll. Um, and you know what? It was really delicious. So it's just the pretzel roll, the dressing, and turkey? Well, it was turkey. It was, it was smoked turkey, the kind that kind of tastes like ham. Uh-huh. And it was piled really high and it was really yummy. And um, I was I was still hungry. Um, well, if I'm being really honest, I ate the other thing first and then I was still hungry. So I made a sandwich, was which was, I, I had a craving for the Trader Joe's, um, p- uh, peanut butter cups, the Trader Joe's milk chocolate peanut oh, butter yeah. cups. Those are really good. I will put away, you know how big those containers are. It's yeah. like, it's bigger than like a pint of ice cream. Oh yeah. Um, and I will, I won't eat a whole thing in one sitting, but in two sittings, which is not healthy. And I was really craving them. Well, it depends on your definition of healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, well, Trader Joe's doesn't deliver. So I was like, well, it'll be a little healthy because I'll have to walk there. But then I just was like, no, because I wanted to finish watching Mrs. Maisel before I like did this and then go out and then I have other TV obligations. I just I can't <laughs> have Mrs. Maisel hanging over me. After so you today. ate the, the, you ate the, um, the peanut butter cups and then you made the sandwich. But how much of this was also like your awareness that you're coming on this podcast to talk about your lunch or were you not thinking about that at all? I, well, I wasn't thinking about it first because I was kind of like, I'm just going to be honest. I'm not really a lunch person. And like, I just won't be hungry after my fruit. Then I was hungry and I was like, but I didn't have any of those peanut butter cups. So what I did was I had leftover. Um, I'm sure you've been to Peter Luger's. I think I've even yeah. read like, a, like amateur gourmet. Post a long about time it. ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they give you those chocolate. Um, it's like Hanukkah gelts, but like better quality and like bigger. 
It's been a long time, but yeah, I mean, I know what you're they talking do. about. They do. Like, they give you like a bunch, like when they give you the bill. But now since the pandemic, Peter Luger's uh, delivers like on caveat. Wow. Okay. And I mean, I live in Williamsburg, so it's actually like pretty close. So I had gotten Peter Luger's uh, a couple of weeks ago and I had not eaten those um, uh, chocolate coins. So I was like, those are thin because I have chocolate in my house, but it's like so thick. I'm not yeah. going to be able to have the Reese's, the, the Trader Joe's peanut butter cup experience. But if I was we like, were those- in real therapy right now, I would say you're running down the clock because you don't want to be analyzed. I'm just going to tell you the story forever and you'll, you'll never get to say what my real problem is. <laughs> Wait, my so I'm so confused. So you did not have Trader Joe's peanut butter cup. No, but I, I substituted that craving with these chocolate coins and peanut butter. Because and they then I was thinner. Like, yeah. And I was like, how can I tell if you really want to know the weirdness? There's, I still like my chocolate a little softer. So I put them under my thigh to warm them up while I'm watching the table. I may have to call in for backup here. This is, <laughs> I mean, I was just wearing clothing. <laughs> and they were so wrapped in the tinfoil. I think you might have the most psychologically messed up lunch so far in the history of this podcast. Melting chocolate under your thigh, the different peanut butter. It's softening, not melting it. Just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then, because it's very cold. No judgment, no kitchen. judgment, by the way. I mean, I don't mean to, I don't mean to say messed up because a therapist doesn't Thank do you. that. Thank yeah, that you. Yeah, that's not good. You know, it's yeah, just that isn't good. neurodivergent. <laughs> but then I, I was, and I was like, oh God, I was going to, one thing to tell Adam, yeah, I'm not really a lunch person. I just like had apples and pears and <laughs> right. most citrus and walnuts and almonds. But then I'm like, and I made my own spinner cups, peanut butter cups. So I was then kind of like embarrassed. And then I was actually like really craving something salty. And I was like starting to get nervous because I realized I wasn't going to have dinner until like, I'm seeing Dina Martina at 9.30. I, think, I love her. I'm so excited. But I don't think I'm going to eat dinner until like 11. So I, I was I like, can't do that. That's the New York life in LA. Everything's closed at 11. So you can't even do that. Yeah. Thank God. But like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, but I, but I, I can't really do that either. I'm so I'm going to be hungry. So I was like, I need to eat some protein. So then I made the sandwich. Wow. I mean, I almost feel like I need to go lay down after hearing that. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel cool. um, but okay. Some things that come to mind is like chaos and order. <laughs> Like these these themes of like it's a little chaotic, but there's some order to it because you had the bread, you had the sandwich, you had the you had like a you had a me- method to your madness of like softening the chocolate a little under your thigh and putting it. So in terms of your in terms of Sounds your crazy li- when you <laughs> but in, in terms of your life, like are you somebody that just like operates in chaos or do you are you pretty regimented and pretty like ordered? In it's the way exactly you like you said, honestly. I mean, you honestly, this has been better than all the therapy I've had for. <laughs> oh, good. Four, five and a half years I've been on earth because like I really I I'm so much more at peace in order Mm -hmm. like I mean I had a dinner party last night and actually next time you're in town I want to have you for dinner please I I had 10 people for dinner I'm like a fucking what is a Yiddish word I'm a balabusta you know I mean it's like it's three courses plus the appetite what do you call it uh, hors d'oeuvres what did you make I made uh, well it was a vegan crew Oh, uh, so are some people vegan. So I always go for the common denominator, you know? Yeah. Um, so I made like a, it was a little bit of a fail, honestly. Um, I made a, um, uh, impossible sausage bolognese. Okay. Um, but, uh, I, I was working yesterday and so I, I made it basically the night before. Okay. And then I, the sauce was like too watery. So yeah. I, um, 
I had I I decided to add tomato paste. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it when I was mixing it, I was like, oh yeah, this is great because it actually had tasted bland to me before I added the tomato paste. Yeah. Um, even though it had so much garlic, it had so much shit in it. But then what about salt? Did you add salt? Oh yeah, there was. I mean, it was, <laughs> but it was also really salty. So I figured the tomato paste. Would yeah, yeah. Help. Okay, I just want to make sure you had salt. Um, no, 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 it was very well seasoned, but um. But I think it wasn't bland. I think just that when I keep tasting it, it seems bland to me because I'm like desensitized. And then when it was watery, but then when I simmered it for so long, it wasn't. So it wound up actually being like, I mean, dry isn't really the word, but it was like clumpy. And like, I, I like, I made the pasta too early yesterday afternoon. It was, it just wound up being like, not great. Wait, you cooked pasta and... And set it aside and then heated it back up for the dinner. No, party. no, 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 no. Yeah. I cooked the pasta and put it in the sauce. What happened was people were coming to dinner at 7 30. And okay. I should have just boiled the water when they got here because yeah, we yeah. Had cocktails for an hour, you uh-huh. know? But like instead I just wanted to like have everything done, you know? And I've really but I I've gotten really into a system with my dinners. I mean, I make I do your thing you taught me with the I put my chicken in the fridge uncovered, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. like I've really got it. I've got it so down and this would be such an easy thing. Cause it's like a one, I mean, you know, I mean, there was salad that was on a separate plate anyway. I mean, it was really like a one, you know, but I overcomplicated it and it was fine. And you but know, it sounds whatever. like very psychologically healthy. Like, like I think your attitude is actually like more comforting and like human than like me and like my perfectionist food friends here like would like have a nervous breakdown if it like didn't work out. Like I feel, I feel like for you, yeah. it sounds like it was more about the gathering and the people and the, always, and the always. Yeah, yeah. I love to entertain. I mean, whether yeah. I'm doing a show or having a dinner party, you know, I, I sound like Countess Luann. But I do want the food to be good and I can make really good food. And this was okay. It wasn't bad, but it was, um, but I, but I was, I wanted to be in a good state. I'd been working all day. I wanted to take a shower and light candles and have the lighting right and the music and have when people come, I wanted to be like happy to see them and receiving them in the house, not right. dressed out and whatever. Oh yeah, you that's know. my thing too, is I, I don't, I don't like to be like cooking in the kitchen when people come over. I just want it all done and just like pop something in the oven or like ladle something into a bowl. Yeah. But if you cook something and it's not great, it's a little bit like, "Mm, okay, Adam, (laughs) if I cook something and it's not great, they're like, oh, this is delicious. Yeah. 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 Like, well, it's like also like, who does he think he is? He thinks he's a food writer. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, um, well, I'm curious, wait, what, what do you do? What, what's your job by day? I don't think I know the answer to that question. I don't have one. I mean, I've been doing this like weird freelance gig for my friend Joe's company just because I'm like basically. Oh, OK, because you said you were working all day. So was, that's why I was like. Yeah, no, person. no, I was just doing that. But um, okay. got it. Freelance it's basically gig. like virtual theater tech for like pharmaceutical conferences. Mm-hmm. I, but I need money. Uh, I'm doing. Well, it's funny, like the, the theater of it all is interesting to me for you, because there's also like you know, like the, like being in a community, like the the idea of like, it's not about, I mean, there's, there's individual ego in the theater, but you're also like part of a company. Like, you know, it's, 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 there's a balance of narcissism, but also community mindedness. And it feels like that translates also to your cooking in a weird way. Yes. Well, except that I am, it is a one man show. Like (laughs) I, um, I get, I don't want anybody touching a dish. Like I, there's no, helping yeah. clean up yeah i'm the that same way drives i don't me like that, that shit crazy i don't want anybody involved in that i don't want to clean up at other people's houses yeah you know i 
I, although the one thing I want people to do, they seem to never do, which is like when we're done with like cocktail hour in the living room, yeah. I would like it if everybody would bring their glass with them. Um, to the table? If, yeah. Of course. Yeah. I, they don't. And I would <laughs> like it if people would um, just help me bring in the like, plates of cheese and crackers or I don't like to leave food in the other room you know New York City you never know if there's gonna be a mouse or something you yeah know? yeah so help me bring in the chips and dip or whatever it is you know that's but you don't out. seem like a shrinking violet I feel like you could just say hey guys can you help me carry this into the I other don't. room you know what because it's like I already am fighting them this like death battle <laughs> when the meal is over and everybody wants to like wash dishes and stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm like I can't be having mixed messages like I have to just come from a one one standpoint. I don't have um, people. I don't. I'm exactly like you. I don't like people doing the dishes. When I go to my Craig's, my husband Craig's um, family's house in Washington State, his mother, who I love, has like an expectation that her kids will do the dishes, like her son Craig and his sister. Kristen, but they never do. So then I have this like feeling of like, oh God, like, do I need to step up and do the dishes? But it's not fair because like, I'm I'm just married into this family. So it's all these psychological layers. But with Jewish oh, yeah. people, I feel like Jewish people are always like, let me help. Like, let me give them, you know, it's like a little bit more, you know, is that I right? don't know. I know what you mean more about the in-laws thing. Cause like, I feel like that's very like, kids have an entitled attitude often. Yes. Certainly mm-hmm. I do with their parents. Whereas when you're married in, you want to be like the good child. And when your own parents say to you, like, I can't believe you're not helping. You're like, that's not my role in this house. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Whereas, yeah. like when s- someone else's parents are like wanting help, you're like, let me do whatever it takes right. so that you love me. You know? Yes, exactly. People pleasing. People pleasing. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, so for people who don't know Patty issues and haven't heard your story, you kind of alluded to your childhood and, yeah. and like a little bit of it, but maybe we can go there if you're, if you're comfortable with it to talk a little bit, maybe just we'll start with the food of your childhood. Like yeah, wh- sure. what did you eat growing up? Where did you grow up? Well, um, I was born in, uh, we lived in Fort Lee, New Jersey, just over the George Washington Bridge. And then we moved to Manhattan when I was three. Um, And then when I was five, we moved to LA, to Sherman Oaks. I think I knew that. Okay. So I grew up in Sherman Oaks, really. Um, And I I lived there until I went to college um, in Berkeley in Northern California. And then right after school, I moved to, to, to this apartment in Brooklyn. Wow. You've been there the whole time? 22 years. And I bet the neighborhood has gotten so, so much more expensive too in Williamsburg. Not my right? place. No, yeah, it's amazing. That's like me in this apartment in Atwater Village in LA. Now this whole neighborhood. I love is, your place. Yeah, it's, but now everything's so gentrified. So we're so lucky we we still pay what we paid at the beginning. But wait, okay, so you moved. Wait, so you grew up in Sherman Oaks. But it's funny because you seem like such a New York character. But I guess you can take the boy out of New York, but you can't take New York out of the boy. Well, in my case, it was true. I always, I mean, I fetishized New York. Right. I used to like try so hard to like say like chocolate and orange. <laughs> oh yeah. Meet you know? my and mother. then I moved she here said, and I realized yeah. that's only the trash from Long Island and Queens. Yeah. I don't want to talk like that. That's exactly <laughs> like, my mom. My mom used to go to the, the count. My mom's from Queens and she, she took French lessons in high school. So I remember <laughs> we, we used to go to Publix in Florida and she would yeah, be ordering croissants. <laughs> she'd be getting croissants and she'd be like, hoy, can I get 12 croissants? Please? <laughs> like, mom, you're not fooling anyone. Um, Okay, so Sherman Oaks, you grew up, keep going. Yeah. The food of your childhood. Well, my mom is like really not like a mom-ish mom in terms of like food stuff. Like, I guess she cooked when I was little. And so the, I think my taste is influenced by her like very like 1950s, like basic bitch. I mean, I'm not the like Wonder Bread 
like American cheese person that she is. Mm -hmm. But like, like my brother, who's a big fan of yours, by the way, my brother, Harry, um, my straight brother, your podcast is one of the few things that, not the few, <laughs> but uh, we love a lot of the same thing. Oh, but nice. You, Hi, Harry. But you're, you're one of the gayest things my brother loves. I'll oh, say that. good. I'm very honored. Um, but he's a big foodie and he's like constantly embarrassed by me because like, I just so like, you know, um, not, you know, I like what I like. And it's like, I don't, I could eat the same things every week for my whole life, you know. Yeah, that's interesting because like you talked earlier about like throwing dinner parties and stuff. So we hadn't really gotten into like, you know, whether you're passionate about food or whether it's more about. I am, but more like the quality. It's like, you know, I'm sure you've heard of like Schmackery's Cookies. Yeah, yeah. I've never been there, but I've seen it in the theater district. Okay. I mean, this is terrible. Like, he's such a lovely person. I should. Well, you already put down Stephanie J. Block. So, I mean, I was kidding. I love Stephanie J. Block. Let's keep going. Yeah. Um, Well, it's like this whole thing is like this cookie has like, um, uh, you know, Green tea, buttercream <laughs> with rainbow sprinkles and white chocolate covered almonds yeah. topped with a ganache, you know. And I'm like, how about you make a chocolate chip cookie, but you use the best quality ingredients uh-huh. in the exact proportions and you cook it exactly right so that I eat it and I think this is the best chocolate chip cookie I've ever had. That's what I want. Not, I don't need you to be creative for me of just throwing crap. I'll throw right. my own crap on it. This if is I a want real crap. smackdown. <laughs> Sorry, that was bad. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I totally agree with you. It's funny because I've been watching the new season of Top Chef. And I don't know if you watch Top Chef. I do not. Uh, I've, I have watched like years ago, one or two seasons. But there's this chef on this season who worked at this restaurant in Copenhagen, Noma, which is considered like the best restaurant in the world right now. But like oh, the, chef, wow. the chef at Noma is like the foraging guy who goes foraging and like literally like serves things like eyeballs with like ants crawling on them. So it's like that gives you an idea. Oh, literally foraging. <laughs> yeah. And so this guy on Top Chef thinks he's like hot shit because he's like worked at Noma. But like last night he served like to your point about like schmackeries, like a dish where Tom Colicchio and everyone were like, this doesn't taste good. It was like, a, it was like undefinable. It was like, just like a piece of sweet potato that was like in a gel with like a foam on it. And it was, yeah. Oh, no, the, you always lose me with the gel. And yeah, the yeah. Mousse. All that stuff. Well, it's funny because when you were just talking about like a, a cookie with natural ingredients, that's where I heard the Berkeley come out in you because you said you went to school in Berkeley. Is that right? Yeah. So were you well, going my to like- my high school was very hippie, actually. The truth is that Berkeley, I was already, all I wanted at Berkeley was like, a limo to like a Patty Lapone <laughs> party at Sardi's. I was like, this dirty shit. So you weren't eating the Chez Panisse and you weren't going to the bread board or whatever. I mean, it's so embarrassing. I, I, I couldn't afford Chez Panisse, but like I used to go to like this place, like um, a musical offering that like played classical music. <laughs> I can't even talk oh about it. Oh my God, 90s. wait, what? <laughs> but, um, but I liked it because you could get like, uh, first of all, it was, clean and quiet everything in berkeley had like grime you know mm-hmm. um uh but that's why i wanted to move to new york but um <laughs> yeah exactly but my high school which is uh oakwood in north hollywood was very um progressive and uh you know just like a real hippie-ish environment especially well especially even before i was there especially when it, in its founding days in the 60s and 70s but um but i think that really uh you know influenced me like things I think a lot of artificial stuff tastes gross to me although I don't know today I realized that I just honestly prefer the peanut butter with palm oil so I yeah I saw your tweet about that it was kind of a spoiler but yeah I do too actually I I like I like Skippy and Jif like I don't like natural peanut butter I think it's bland I've been eating natural peanut butter for so many years thinking I prefer 
Well, maybe maybe it's I don't know. I, I just don't, it tastes like paste to me. It doesn't have a lot of. Maybe it just needs more salt. No, it's no. <laughs> okay. We're ping ponging all over the place. Okay, yeah. so you. But so was there Jewish food in your house growing up? Was it like was there like you know matzo ball soup and chopped liver? My family is the way you are with musical theater. My family's Judaism is like you with musical. We're we're not very religious. Um, I mean, I like, am very religious with musical. No, theater. but you, we are the way you are with Stephanie Block. Oh, yeah. But still, like, I think I'm more religious than your family is with Jewish food. Um, I mean, we like, I mean, my mom made like matzo bread. It was one of the like five dishes my mom can make. Uh-huh. Passover and Thanksgiving were like the two big hot. They still are. I mean, that's I always am in L.A. for yeah. Thanksgiving and Passover. And my mom, who's not a cook at all and was really like uh, eating out, ordering in person. When my bro- my brother is um, 11 years younger than me. OK. And he was born um because my mom worked we got a uh live-in maid okay. and so then she cooked dinner so then we had home-cooked meals but my my mom wasn't the one cooking them um so you were the inspiration for caroline or change was about you no it was uh <laughs> well first of all she was from el salvador uh, okay. it was the inspiration for me being fluent in spanish Oh, nice. So, but, so, but, but Jewish food was a part of, and my mom's brisket is one of her few dishes. And it's the, I, my favorite brisket, all brisket tastes wrong to me, uh, other than my mom's. And I bet it's similar to my mom's. Does it have like onion soup in it? And like, no, no, it has a lot of carrots in it. A lot of, okay. sorry, a lot of, um, what do you call it? Like carrot puree in it. It's like oh, almost nice. an orangey wow. sauce. I want her recipe when this is over. Send it to me. I think it's like really delicious. The problem with my mom's brisket is that she's bad at cooking the meat. Oh, but isn't that the whole brisket? I mean, it's not like what you're eating? Well, but the flavoring is so good. Oh, the you don't mind. Well, like, brisket can dry out really easily. My mom's brisket, my mom likes everything dry. Yeah. Like, like her scrambled eggs, she called them popcorn eggs. Yeah. Because like, she doesn't <laughs> like it with any like moisture at all. So I, I mean, I was never a big egg lover anyway, but everything with my mom was like all about being like dry, no moisture. Um, Intentionally or unintentionally? No, intentionally. That's how she liked it. But my mom barely ever cooked. I mean, that was not. uh, Yeah. I mean, I grew up more on like Chinese food and sushi and pizza than, you know, home cooked food. But what's the I I know this is literally the story in your show, but I just want to get it out there because people might not know it, which is that your dad was like. Gay, but like he, we, 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 you tell me. I love you. It's been a long time. If you can remember, yeah, I, I saw the show before I left New York, which was over eleven years ago. So yeah, uh, but I mean, like you, you, am I that old? I mean, it was a show that long ago. I, I don't know. That. Maybe I saw it when I was visiting New York. But I mean, it's yeah, been a very yeah. long time. But, but the gist that I remember is that like you hadn't seen your father in a long time, and then you went to go see Patty Lapone in a show, and then he was sitting in front of you, and you realized he was gay? Spoiler alert. Is that what happened? I mean, I'm just trying to remember it. Is that, you is say, that... and then I realized he was gay because he yeah. was a gypsy? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> so you that sounds more like gay. a porn. Um, <laughs> no, that's porn. not sure right it what happened. Yeah. He oh, came see... out when I was nine. He came out in 1985, my father. Okay. I mean, that was crazy for him I mean, not crazy for him to come out. It was the right choice, I'm sure. But it was a crazy thing to experience for uh, my family. And, you know, because it was 1985. I mean, we didn't, it wasn't, especially in like LA, it wasn't like there was any kind of like, gays go to hell. Don't be like, we didn't know what gays were. Right. Or in third grade, we didn't know that was not a concept. You know, I knew I was like a boy that like to, play with dolls and stuff but I didn't yeah. have any I thought I was such a ladies man all my friends were girls <laughs> um but uh so that was like really like rocked my 
world. And it was also around the time that AIDS was really getting. So you were like falsettos. You weren't Caroline or change. You were. No, I'm seriously falsettos. I mean, when I saw falsettos, uh, well, I saw it on Broadway in 1992, but before I even saw it earlier that year when it uh, was just on the Tonys, I was starting to get really obsessed with Patty and Patty LuPone and musical theater. And, um, and I was watching the Tonys because Patty was presenting. Mm-hmm. She and Ron Silver, uh, and they gave the Tonys for best book and score to James Lapine and, and William Finn for falsettos. But um, but when they did the falsettos number, we're sitting and watching Jewish kids play baseball. I mean, yeah. for a lot of us, that was hilarious. But but the, they did a medley. It was that, but it started with from the first act. My Jason singing, "My father's a homo. My mother's uh-huh. not thrilled at all. Father homo. What about chromo songs?" And I mean. I, I, I sound like Eugene Levy and um, <laughs> Witty for government. <laughs> well, we made a kishka. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, I played Jason in falsettos in college before I was out to my parents and they came to see the show and they were like, that was a little weird. <laughs> like they didn't, they, they, and I was like, oh, but it's also, I just have to tell the story because it's kind of funny and then we'll get back to you. But when I was in that production of falsettos in college, I had a very dramatic director who, um, before every performance was like, you guys know that William Finn died of AIDS and we're going to like dedicate this. We're going to do like a moment of silence for him. So before every performance, we did like a prayer to William Finn and did a moment of silence. And then years later, I went to NYU for playwriting and like, I was looking at the syllabus and William (laughs) Finn, it was like, I was like, wait, he teaches here. Like he's alive. And so, yeah, he's, it was really funny. Whoa. Yeah. Wait, so that's, so so you were, that's a lot of pressure on you. So I get, I get, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like you were, you weren't sure you were gay yet, but like you knew you like to play with dolls. Your dad comes out, it's eight, the eighties. It's yeah. So that's a lot. I mean, and you know, and that was really, I mean, I was nine, I was in third grade. I mean, and, uh, it was, and then my, and my father was really, uh, I mean, he's still, I think really a piece of work, but, but he was really having a hard time because he, um, had had a hard childhood with his parents and being gay. I don't know. He had mental problems and drug problems. And, you know, there's a bunch of it in my show, but he, um, he was kind of taking it out on me and my sister. And eventually we, um, stopped seeing him and we were adopted by our stepfather. And, uh, that, uh, but then my father and I actually reconciled for a little while while I was in college. And I thought this is fun to, I'll, be back in touch with him. I'm a grown up. I, I was 21, you know, but I was like, I'm an yeah. adult. I can handle it. Uh, but you know, he was still kind of toxic for me and it, it yeah. really went south pretty quickly. And, um, then I hadn't seen him in over 10 years and I was seeing Gypsy on Broadway with Patty LuPone and, uh, my father was sitting directly in front of me. Wow. That's the universe. Like saying, something. I was in Patty's house seats. I want to know who got him. Tickets. Yeah. Wait, so I, this is like a total sidebar, but what is your relationship to Patty Lapone in real life? Well, uh, I was obsessed with her pretty much all my life. Um, and then my first job, well, not my first job, but one of my first jobs after college was to be Lonnie Price, um, Lonnie Price's assistant. Um, and I knew Lonnie had been like a, his, parents had gone to high school with my father's parents. So I'd like grown up knowing his family um, when I lived in New York. I mean, I hadn't seen them in years. And then my father and I were out of each other's lives, but as was his whole family. But, um, but I, I'd gotten in touch with Lonnie while I was in college because I knew I wanted to be a theater director. And he said, you know, if you ever uh, want to assist and direct, let me know. And I was like, okay, so I'll be Lonnie's assistant and then I'll get my own shows and then I'll win a Tony. It was all very (laughs) clear how the path was going to go. Sure. 
I didn't think I'd be 45 and fucking sitting here in the same apartment in Brooklyn. Oh, you know what? It, it, it can happen later. You never know. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm going to hold on to the bitter end. Trust me. But yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> uh, but but the first show I assisted Lonnie on just in terms of his schedule when he needed an assistant and uh, was Sweeney Todd at the New York Philharmonic with Patty. Uh, and then uh, I was Lonnie's assistant on everything he did for two or three years. And there was a few more shows with Patty, including Sweeney Todd, we kept doing. And Wait, so what was it like when you met her? Like when you first encountered her? Was it like meeting a goddess? Was it? Yeah. I mean, it was, I, it was an experience like I'll never have again in my life. I mean, it completely blew my mind. I mean, she was exactly everything I ever dreamed she would be. I mean, she was just larger than life. And she is. I mean, I, yeah. I've now, I mean, that was 19, that was 2000. It was May of 2000. So it was 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. And Patty and I became pretty um, tight. I mean, I, I occupy a limited space in Patty's life, to be mm-hmm. sure. Um, but, you know, but we're, we have an intimate friendship for, you know, 22 years. And um, uh, it's never, it doesn't change the fact. And honestly, probably the number one thing that would keep us from being closer than we are is that I just cannot ever experience Patty as anything other than the Lord God. Yeah. I mean, I go into rabbit holes with her. Like, I, I'm sure you've watched this, but like her son made those YouTube videos of like oh, yes. her vacations, like on cruises. Entrances and exits <laughs> and everything between. Those are not vacations. Those are gay cruises. Gay cruises. And I've watched all of them. I'm like, those are gigs, baby. Yeah, but it's like, she, you know what it is? It's like, because I have a larger than life Jewish mother. And then there's like Patty is like a larger than life Italian mother, I guess. But yeah. like, so it's like there's like a certain like maternal like like fantasy of like oh, yeah. what would it be like to have Patty. But like also like I was thinking about what you said earlier about her like being so tough and like you know like will chew you up. But she, but she's also very vulnerable. That's the other thing. It's like you can also yeah. sense that she has she's like a raw nerve. Like she's still smarting about Sunset Boulevard like all these years later. Like it's still a sore subject for her when Andy Cohn brings yeah. it up on Watch What Happens Live. I love yeah. that this podcast like migrated away from food again back to Patty. <laughs> does, she, does she cook? Um, yes, actually, um, one of the most delicious pastas I've ever had was Patty made. Um, what it was like veal meatballs in in her Sunday sauce and okay I need uh, to have her on my podcast this needs to happen yeah you should it was it was fabulous she's a great cook so in terms of like okay let's let's transition back to food so you grew up in this family it was a tempestuous household things were rocky and there was lots of drama and when you were growing up like and you left for college and stuff like what, what role did food play in your life in terms of like comfort or was it, it was bad. Food? It was always been, I mean, I, you know, I think I've had food issues. Uh, well, I don't know when I was little, I don't think food was complicated for me. Like before my parents split up, like, I mean, I wasn't into sports, but you know, I mean, I was always skinny and I was, um, but I, I remember very specifically food being a comfort, uh, after my parents broke up and mm-hmm. then, and gaining weight that and sort what do you of remember always eating eat. like what was the do you remember the foods that you would eat at that time I, I always I, I think probably what saved me from being like really obese in my childhood was that my t- I didn't have a sweet tooth until many years later now I have such a sweet tooth but when I was a kid I really didn't I mean there were a few sweet things I did like then like sour candies I mean I remember when sour patch kids were invented that wasn't mm-hmm. even a thing when I was little yeah but um when I was very little but uh but, you know, I liked some candies, but I wasn't like a big chocolate person. I never liked cake. I only liked ice cream if it was like premium ice cream. 
I needed things hand mixed in of my choosing. I, <laughs> wait, I was like never like, place. just Stone give me a flavor off the <laughs> menu, you know? Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, did you, were you like snacking on like potato chips then or like Doritos? No, no, I wasn't even, I mean, I would, first of all, from a young age, I would just like tear, my parents got to get so mad because I would make the biggest messes. I always liked to cook. Um, and I would just, I usually, usually it was inspired by like what I was watching. Like I remember I was watching this movie on TV one after back in the days when you just watched what was yeah, on. I miss those and days. I can't remember the name of it. It was some of you in the seventies with Carol Burnett as like a suburban middle-aged mom. And I think there maybe was like, she slept with her friend or her friend, her friend slept with her husband and the two, it was the two couples. Was it a Neil Simon movie? Was it like that Neil maybe, Simon? Maybe, was it the yeah. Four Seasons or Peter, yeah, that sounds Ted, like that. Errol and Bob, or I don't even know what, one of those movies, like, um, but uh, but I just remember the ladies were at some lunch and they had these salads in these big wooden bowls. Mm-hmm. And I was in the kitchen just making a salad in an enormous wooden salad bowl. And, um, but I, I was very into like tangy, so I was like a pickles, like yeah. cheap mustard, like mm-hmm. um, uh, that kind of stuff. Like, so that, I mean, that, you know, in a way I was lucky because a lot of that was like not carby. So it yeah. saved Anyway, so wait, that. salad feels like a theme here because you when we started, you were talking about you make the world's best salad. At your I make a great person. salad. So yeah. what goes in there besides your dressing and your salad? What else do you put in there? The dressing actually is the least standard component because sometimes I'll use red wine, red wine vinegar. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll use avocado oil instead of um, oh, olive I've never oil. Done that. I love avocado oil. Oh my god, I'm so into it. Um, uh, so I make it with uh, baby spinach. Okay, and. Um, uh, I like to get like the most expensive cherry tomatoes I can find. So mm-hmm. they'll be like the best tasting. Um, and I cut them in half. Through the equator or like through the top? Uh, through the top. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I just, so it's more bite size, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, is that the wrong place to cut them? No, no, no. I was just curious. I don't know what it revealed about you, but I just thought it would show us something. But I don't know what. You say revealed? <laughs> yeah, like what it reveals about you. I don't know. This is lunch therapy. I'm trying to like get into your psychology. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it's it's all just, that's a practical matter. Uh, a big thing is avocado, like tons of sliced avocado in it, mm-hmm. which is something, I'm not there yet with blue cheese, but avocado as a child, I hate it. And now I love avocado, especially in salads. Oh yeah. So we didn't go into your whole like mayonnaise, blue cheese. Like what are the other foods that you don't like to eat? There's not a lot. Uh, when I was a kid, I also hated avocado and I also hated shrimp, but now I love those. Mm. Although I still do not like boiled shrimp. Like I'll take grilled or fried or sauteed. So or no shrimp stri- cocktail for you if you go to no, a nice shrimp restaurant. cocktail to me is revolting. Oh, interesting. So yeah. with, the, with the mayonnaise and the blue cheese, I mean, I was very similar. I hated mayonnaise. I think that the best therapy for mayonnaise is to make it yourself just one time because it's kind of fun. You just take an egg yolk. You put it in a bowl. You're shaking your head. I don't like dealing with eggs at all, to be honest. Oh, well, just listen to me for a second. Although I do make a good frittata. Oh, really? Okay. We take an egg yolk, put it in a bowl, put a little salt in it, put a little mustard in it, because I know you like mustard, and then just whisk very slowly and just start. No, he's not doing it. He's shaking his head. Wow. You're really resisting this therapy. It will I change your life. Mayo. Okay, I that's fine. Well, it's actually, it's a good thing not to like because it, it's not good for you. So it's fine. And then what was the other thing? Oh, blue cheese. Blue cheese, I got, I used to feel the same way. But you know what got me over that was like getting really fancy blue cheese, like yeah. like a really good gorgonzola or something. It almost tastes like dessert. It's like so rich and almost like sweet as opposed to like the dry crumbles that you buy. No, I'm not really package. into creamy things. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Like even she- like she- to be honest, I could live without cheese so easily. 
Huh. So it's pickly foods. It's it's vegetables. It's it's um sour things. Sour think, things. I, yeah, I think we lemon. have similar palates. Like I like that kind of stuff too. Citrusy. Yeah. I'm on. But I'm I also more... really like like milk chocolate mm. and uh, like buttery, salty, like. Like a like a like a yellow, you know, what do you call it? Egg bagel, a brioche bagel. Yeah. Like um like Got with it. like butter and salt. Oh my God. Like I can really I'm gonna get a better sense of your flavor profiles. Well, one thing you kind of kind of dropped in there that we didn't talk about at all, which you mentioned Countess Luann. Oh, I'm yeah. sure some people listening to this might know you from the Real Housewives. So <laughs> yeah. have you what's it like um being around her and like what kind of food are you, are you eating with her when you go out? Well, um, I've had her eggs a la Frances many times. What, what's that? I don't even know what that is. She, was that on the show? Did she talk about that? Yeah, that's one of her memes for the fans. Oh, is right, it, right. You know, yeah. it's her, one of her catchphrases. Um, but she really makes it. Although I don't, I always thought eggs a la Frances was eggs with tomato sauce. Yeah. What is it? She just calls it what, basically any eggs Luann makes or eggs a la Frances. <laughs> I mean, she makes them the best way. She When she makes scrambled eggs, it's like, in a saucepan, like cooked long and low yeah. and slow, you know, so they're really good and fluffy. Um, but I don't know what so fun says about them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but that's delicious. And, um, uh, she is a more of fancier palate than I do for sure. Do you guys go to like ladies who lunches, like, you know, upper East side, like restaurants together or is it mostly? No, I, well, I'm not working with her now. She's working with Richard J. Alexander's directing her new, uh, cabaret. Oh, so you're done. Okay. But, you had your moment with her. But the time that the few years that I was working with her were the exact time, just coincidentally, that she lived on the Upper West Side. So, oh, Upper West Side. Okay. So I, but she always was Upper East before that and is yeah. back on the Upper East now. So I actually was never in that circuit with her that is like where they all are. I mean, I was with those ladies filming the show, but, yeah. but I wasn't like going to like Bella Blue for lunch and being like, oh, <laughs> Blah, blah, right, know. right, right. But what was that like? I mean, just for those of us who watch the show, I mean, what was it? Are they? It was they... pretty fucking cool because, yeah. like, um, I mean, there was lots of bad things too. Yeah. But, um, but just for me, because I was genuinely a fan of the show since mm-hmm. it started, and and I mean, a lot of the franchise, but definitely Beverly Hills. Um, and like, I just I was as like a little gay. One other thing I talked about in my show, Patty Issues, was that as a little gay kid in the eighties, I was obsessed with. Joan Collins on mm-hmm. Dynasty. Sure. And I remember having a dream. And Joan Collins, I think, in a way, was sort of my predecessor to Patti Lapone. Uh, of course. I mean, I was already into Patti as like the Evita commercial like lady, but but I but I wasn't Patty wasn't in my life on a you know regular basis when I was nine, you know, but uh-huh. Joan Collins was. And um uh but I remember having a dream that I was on the set of Dynasty and I was re- I was interacting with the characters, mm-hmm. but I was myself, but they weren't Joan Collins. They were Alexis Colby and Crystal Carrington, and right. et cetera. And I just remember, and I, I mean, I was like 10 or something. I wasn't like, that's the way she goes. Well, you know, I knew what she, that those were actors and playing characters, but in right. the dream, that was not the case. And I just remember from the very first time I was like with Luann among the rest of the housewives cast and like filming and everything that I was like this is like my childhood dream yeah. like I am like I am like on the set of Dynasty like at the at a cat fight with Crystal and Alexis <laughs> and I'm myself they are the characters and is it really happening like I guess that's my question is like when the cameras go off do they all like take out their phones and like put their heads down like are they really fighting with each other like is it really happening in real life yeah the fights are all real the only thing I mean there's a lot that's fake about the show in the sense that they um 
I mean, first of all, there's a lot that's just like stagey because like they'll have to get an entrance again. And, and right, you know, right. uh, you know, and there's a lot of stuff that's like not for the sake of manipulating the truth, but merely for the sake of editing. You know, like yeah. there's stuff that's there's stuff that is almost unnecessarily fake just because that's the way the cookie crumbles and how they get the shots or whatever, you know? Got it. So they have to reenact their like fights and stuff or it's not, but it's not those moments. It's because the chances are, if it's a fight, it's something the producers already knew is going to be a fight and they're already there covering it with a lot of cameras and it's, you know, they're not going to do retakes of the fights. It's more like the, they meet each other for lunch early in the season to talk about developing the storylines, you know? And I mean, and the fights, even if sometimes they're about things like that have happened. I mean, there's these great books out now, like um, Brian Moylan, who's so brilliant, that writes the vulture recaps of the housewives, uh, wrote a book. And then uh, Dave Quinn, uh, who I think wrote for People magazine, mm-hmm. wrote this book, Not All Diamonds and Rosé. And they're both must-reads for housewives fans. Oh, great. And I'll get the audio book and listen to it. At they, the yeah, they, yeah they, and they really break it down what that is, what that is from, you know, talking to people behind the scenes, because it's like if sometimes when they're fighting about stuff, they might actually be really fighting about something else, mm. but they really hate each other and they're really yeah. having it out. I mean, the question is more to me, like these people that have been on the show for 10 years, that this has been their life. I don't think that that's, I think they've lost, I'm sure this is true of a lot of reality TV uh, celebrities that it, they lose, I think maybe some sense of, separation between real and fake and Mm. i'm convinced a lot of these gals have made major life choices with the intention of being good television yeah uh higher on the list than other factors one might well almost all the new york housewives' marriages fell apart didn't they like ramona's fell apart luann's fell apart um Bethany's yeah, I mean, far be it from me to say <laughs> that those marriages would have lasted had they yeah, not been. Sure, so, but it's, it can't be a coincidence. So there's got to be some connection. I love how off topic we got. Well, let's go back to the topics. Okay, so um, every podcast begins with what did you have for lunch? But it ends with yes. what, are, what are you having for dinner? Now, you mentioned you're going to see Dina Martina tonight, and then yes. you're going to go out afterwards. So where is Dina Martina playing? Dina Martina is tonight at Sony Hall which I actually don't think I've ever been to. I had to look up the location. It sounds like someplace we would obviously know, Sony Hall. Yeah, never heard of that. I I guess it's a theater inside the Paramount Hotel on 46th Street. So it'd be in the theater district. Okay, so now- So so where does Ben- Joe Allen. Joe Allen. Okay, I was going to ask you like- Just for something that's good that's open at, you know, 1130 or whatever. And do you ever go upstairs to Bar Central? Oh, yes. But the reason I wouldn't go to Bar Central tonight specifically is because um, uh, my friend Daniel that I do my podcast with, Dick Allen, we went to see The Music Man a few weeks ago and we were so excited and we made a reservation at Bar Central. And I had just happened to be starving, but I've always loved um, like the empanadas and the flatbreads and the um, uh, potato skins. I mean, where do you get potato skins in 2022? Like, yeah, yeah. Bars and trolley. But all those things are off the menu. What do you um, mean? They got rid of their they, menu? They changed, they changed the menu. It's They, oh. you know, places change menus. But for those who don't know, I mean, when Craig and I first went there, we loved it because it's like a secret bar above Joe Allen. But you have to make a reservation. That's what we learned early on. Or you- Well... Not if you're potty the punk. Oh, yeah. I mean, and when we first went there, like, we saw so many Broadway people. And we're like, oh, yeah. God, this is the coolest. So this is a yeah. good insider tip if you're listening. Um, where, so where else in the theater district do you like to eat? 
I don't know. I fucking hate the theater district. Yeah, now. me too. Yeah. In the last couple of years. I mean, the pandemic was really rough on it. You well, know? Joe Allen is so great because it has those posters of all the failed musicals. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure you like literally know every song from each of them. <laughs> you know what? I It's funny. I'm so a deep dive person, yeah. but I'm not necessarily a like whole. I'm not necessarily like wide coverage and I'm not at all. Um, like, I really don't know anything after like 2002. Like, really? About musicals? Like, Hairspray and Avenue Q are, like, the last two, like, new musicals I really know. I mean, that's not true. I know, like, I mean, but the other ones I know are the ones, like, my, you know, like, my, like, straight cousins. Though. Like, I know, like, Hamilton and Dear Evan Hansen. But, like, right. but I'm not really, like, up on all the shit, you know? What about um, Fun Home? Uh, you know, I, I'm not a fan of Janine Tesori's music. I love that show, just like I love Carolina Change because of the book and lyrics. Wow, and interesting. Story. I was just in the car listening to Broadway's Sirius XM and the song Telephone Wire from Fun Home came on. Which I don't even is, remember that tune. Oh, it's so good. It's, I think it's truly one of the best musical theater songs that's been written in the past 20 years. I will listen to it when we're done recording. I mean, I love Ring of Keys. The, yeah, the Telephone Wires, where she's trying to communicate with her dad. It's like the light, last Oh, yeah, song. yeah, by the light, by the yeah, light. Yeah, I, I find yeah, it yeah, so beautiful. moving. She's like in the car Gorgeous. with him, and they're trying to have a conversation. It's like like real time. Like, But yeah, it's so funny. I've heard other people say that about Janine Tesori, but I like her music. Really? I think she's the Emperor's New Clothes. I think everybody's goes. This guy, Gabriel Kahane, who's a composer. He's yeah, yeah, I know him. On Twitter once, like, once said that, like, on, like in, in reply to something I wrote. Um, I was like, oh, I guess, like, some people don't like her music. But I, I guess it, I like I'm going to DM him because I thought I was alone. Most people, like, well, like, it's like sacrilege to say yeah. anything against, you know. Janine Tesori. Yeah. Um, well, for those who like musicals, they're going to want to come back tomorrow uh, to listen to our bonus 10 questions, which I'm about to ask you now, so don't go anywhere. But these are 10 musical theater questions that are connected to food. So 10 food-related musical theater questions in our bonus episode available at amateurgourmet.substack.com. Well, Ben, thank you so much for doing lunch therapy. Do you feel properly analyzed? I think I need another session next week. Yeah, I think you do too. I think we barely scratched the surface, but I mean, the the, the warming of the chocolate with your thigh, I mean, that's, that, that's like <laughs> a level. Please, can you please cut that out? No, I'm not cutting any of this out. This is, this is the contract that we made. No, I think that that was, um, that was some deep stuff. All right, well, stick around and thanks again for doing lunch therapy, Ben. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>